Welcome back to the EchoCast, a podcast about video game news, speculation, reviews, and whatever else I feel like chatting about. I am your host, Bon, and this week we'll be talking about the Xbox acquisition of ABK being no more. Jedi Survivor being great. A Steam Deck killer and much, much more. A few things before we get started. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and on YouTube. Please subscribe to the channel. Hit the like button and comment with your thoughts, questions for next week, or to just say hello. A big thank you to supporter level patrons PK, The Dawn, Cage Nephilim, and Neuronix. If you're interested in supporting this podcast and getting ad-free episodes for as little as $1 per month, please check out patreon.com slash bonddiesel. B-A-U-N-D-I-E-S-E-L. Gaming news. This week, we have 10 topics. Story number one. The CMA denies approval of Xbox's acquisition of Activision Blizzard King. This uh, was revealed on the 26th. That was actually my birthday. I thought we were going to get some good Xbox news that they were going to get this deal. The dominoes were going to fall and everyone would approve this deal. And we were going to be ready to go that we could stop hearing about this annoying story and that we would finally get to um, just kind of move on and see what the next moves were going to be. And the CMA, uh, who is the kind of consumer protecting agency in the UK, uh, decided to say no. And this was a pretty big surprise. It seemed like a lot of journalists knew that a ruling was coming. Um, but due to some recent statements by the CMA, everyone assumed that it was all hunky-dory. Um, they had stated that they didn't think that there was like a competition issue and things like that. But in their initial concerns, they had listed uh, like, like streaming gaming, cloud gaming being one of their concerns. And you saw Xbox go out and, re and do like 10 year partnerships with like a dozen, uh, at least a dozen, if not more streaming companies all over the world uh and in asia and ukraine of all places in europe and i think actually two or three different deals in the uk itself so it seemed like xbox probably thought that they had kind of crossed their t's and dotted their i's and the cma just basically didn't agree there is a lot i think that is kind of weird about this ruling um, it should be noted that Activision and um, Xbox have already come out and said that they're still uh, dedicated to pushing this deal through, uh, that they're going to appeal. Um, the appeal is not a great sign because the appeal court or whatever doesn't care about the actual ruling that the CMA made. They um, will only you know, overturn the decision of the CMA, if they, if it's proven that this, that the CMA did something wrong or missed an important detail or misunderstood something, there is an argument to be made. Um, I think by Xbox and Activision and everyone involved 
that the CMA is not fully understanding the importance of cloud gaming, even in the next 10 to 20 years. Um, An interestingly good point made by Bobby Kodak, who is kind of known for being kind of an idiot. Uh, He's the head of Activision right now. And he is hoping to get a windfall of cash if this deal goes through because he's going to get kicked out. No No one wants him there. But he knows it's a big payday if this deal goes through to get him to leave. He actually made a a decent point where there's all of this concern and and that's what the cma cites that in the next 10 plus years cloud gaming could be much more important and if xbox has a theoretical monopoly on it 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 could be a long-term issue Uh, kodak made the point that it actually doesn't look like that's ever gonna happen at least not on current tech and that it's way more likely that cell phones and mobile devices will get so powerful they won't need to play through the cloud that they'll be able to natively play games on the hardware. Um, It's notable that there's phones that are out right now and and especially devices like the Steam Deck and stuff like that that are more powerful than like the Xbox One and PS4. Um, Some of them significantly so. And it's actually an interesting point by him, which is surprising because it kind of obviously he's trying to sell his deal, but it is a good point to say that like, it's something like cloud gaming accounts for like, I think it's less than 5% of games being played today. And like, I've, I've messed with it. Um, I've dabbled a really cool feature of game pass ultimate or game pass in general is that a lot of the games are cloud enabled. So if there's a, an indie game that you haven't really heard of, but it looks interesting, you can play it over the cloud instantly. You can play it for a few minutes, and if you like it, you can download it. If you don't, you just stop playing it. Uh, Vampire Survivors, which I played a lot of, I would say the first 10 to 15 hours of that game I played were all over cloud, and it worked really well. It was great. It also didn't require, it's like a, a shooter wouldn't be great. So all those limitations to cloud are probably going to never fully go away. And I think people are always going to prefer hardware. And if cell phones and other mobile like tablets and stuff can get powerful enough to play AAA games, even at like low settings or using tech like DLSS, FSR, things like that, then the whole cloud thing may never even happen. And that makes this whole decision just really odd. There's obviously been accusations that the CMA is maybe a little too close to some leadership at Sony and maybe that played a part in this. I mean, maybe, I don't know. I I think they believe the argument they're making. I just don't think many people outside of their judgment like agrees or, or, or believes them entirely because I just, of all of the issues with this deal, with how important King is to this deal, even though no one talks about it, with how all of the concerns Sony brought up about what Xbox could theoretically do to hurt their business, even if they keep Call of Duty on there and stuff. It just seems like, um, it just seems like they realized that they couldn't really make an argument against the deal Um, for those other reasons and instead just decided to kind of throw out like 
Ah, well, it might be a problem for a thing in the future. We don't know. So we're going to say no. It just, I don't know. It it just seems like BS to me. Um, But this, I will say, and if you've paid attention to the podcast, I've always been very optimistic about this deal. Um, The official numbers since 2010 of appeal success against the CMA is uh is around 30 it's like 37 or uh, 33 percent or something it's one third so one third of cases that get appealed win their appeal that that isn't bad because i'm sure there's some places where the appeals never work and it's like a two percent success rate so a one out of three chance is um it's hopeful depending on how you look at it Um, But it also means that the CMA has a 66 plus percent success rate. So I would say that this deal probably isn't happening. And what's wildest about it, and I heard Jeff Grubb talk about this in his Game Mess podcast. um, And I agree. And I think I've even stated this. Xbox will just move on to the next move. They, they will have to pay Activision a, a, a chunk of money. It's two or three billion dollars if this deal falls through. Um, nothing compared to the 70 million or billion they were going to pay for it. But Xbox will just lick their wounds and move on. It's just another L for them this year, as much as people have been dogging on them. Um, I, I just don't think it's it's a big deal. I don't think it's that big of a deal for Xbox. I think Activision, I mean, you could see them sell. I, I would almost, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a fire sale. They could sell off King to someone. They could sell off Blizzard to someone. Um, And Activision may try to continue on as their own publisher and and stuff like that. But like Blizzard is having trouble. It was in the headlines this week that they're having to make like emergency plans for staffing because they're losing so many people and no one wants to work there because Blizzard has a bunch of these really problematic issues. And the person at the head, Bobby Kotick, isn't going to be the person that, that fixes that. And will definitely not be the person who gets people to come work there. And I've said a few times, I wouldn't be surprised if there's an exodus of employees from ABK. If this deal falls through, because I bet there's a bunch of people who've been holding out there just hoping that leadership changes. And if that doesn't happen, or if it definitely looks like it's not going to happen, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they they see even more people leave and it could put the whole company in danger that's kind of a an interesting thing about this whole deal is that it it could be um almost like like necessary for abk for this to go through where xbox it won't be a great look but they'll just move on maybe they'll try to get ubisoft or ea or someone else i could see them go after smaller studios Uh, Smaller as in still significant, but not entire publishers. We'll have to wait and see. Story number two, Armored Core 6 got a gameplay trailer. I highly suggest you go and watch this yourself. I played the Armored Core games like way back in the day, and they were always just really, really hard. And I never really enjoyed them that much because I was a kid and I don't think I fully grasped what those games were. Um, it's notable that no armored core game has ever sold over a million copies. I think the closest is around like 900,000. And so what's funny is because of the 
the way that that studio um, with Elden Ring and all these other games has ascended so much since the last time they made an Armored Core game. This will be the highest selling Armored Core game ever, even if it's bad. Because at least a million people are going to buy this game just because of who's making it. Um, which I think is interesting and it says something about that studio and you have like Elden Ring and the Dark Souls games and I mean they've literally essentially you know made a genre their own and there's a bunch of people who try to be as good and they just aren't and so uh, even games like Sekiro and stuff like that uh, it, it's I'm really interested in this because I'm not into the the medieval high fantasy aesthetic of Elden Ring and Dark Souls and all that and it doesn't look like this game is going to be a Souls game I'm sure it will have some influence from that genre because that's what they do now but it also could be an opportunity for them to say like hey that's not all we are we can do other stuff too and they have done other stuff they've done VR and they've done other types of games but the Souls games are their bread and butter so I thought the trailer looked really good. There was some like kind of gameplay in it. It was 3D models in their engine. I would be curious to how much of it was like actual gameplay, uh, but that's just a part for the course with, uh, with most uh, of these uh, gameplay trailers. So we'll just have to wait and see. I'm excited about it. Let me know down in the comments uh, what you think. Uh, number three, the story number three is Jedi Survivor's release. Uh, so this is, has been an interesting one. So the Metacritic score is 86, and that's really good. Um, any game, any developer, any publisher, you get a score in the 80s, you've done a great job. The trouble with this one is that that score would probably be 90 or higher if there, if there weren't so many issues. And the issues I'm speaking on is that it seems like universally there's issues with frame rates and some bugginess and, and even some like saving issues and um, you know like game breaking issues that seem pretty rare but are happening. And it seems like specifically on PC, um, this game runs really bad. Um, the respawn, the developer has come out already and said that they think that there may be an issue with some certain setups and some certain hardware, and they're investigating that. Um, on console, I'm playing on Series X. I think it is fine. It's got issues. It's got some frame drops, some you know, some stutters. You can tell it's struggling at times, and there were definitely some bugs. Nothing game breaking yet. So far, it's been fine. Um, but, uh, you know, there has been some stuff where you can tell this game was probably released a couple months too early and that, and that's even after a delay. And so what I found a little frustrating was seeing some reviews on this in that, like, I think the performance and, and the, the finish of the game should impact your review or your general take on the game, you know, just like cyberpunk and, and other games like that. I like there was a reviewer, you know, like skill up. He does his reviews and he does his whole thing is whether he recommends a game or not. And he, he did not recommend this game, even though he spoke glowingly about the game. 
but had significant issues with his two gaming systems, uh, both PC and, and didn't recommend the game because of issues that are going to be fixed. Now, maybe he will recommend it after those issues are fixed and that's a fair thing. But like, I think it's a, especially over the last couple of years, if you're like a serious game reviewer or critic, you need to have the PS5 and Series X sitting at your review place. If you want to re review PC, that's great. But we're seeing a pattern of PC ports being awful, like real bad and like significantly worse than consoles. And so like, like Skillup's review, it would have been really cool for him to talk about. Here's all these X, here's all these PC issues. But when I played the game on my PS5 or my Series X, I had some of these issues, but they weren't nearly as bad. Therefore, I can recommend this in certain situations or something like that. And and it's just like, I understand that there's kind of that stupid like PC master race thing where it's like, you know, you just want to do it on that platform because in theory, it's the best one. But what we've seen in recent years is that that's not really been the truth <laughs> and when it comes to reliability and consistency especially in these AAA games it's obvious they are spending the majority of their time with qa and stuff on consoles and that the pc gets the short end of the stick and sometimes the pc version never even gets fully fixed up supposedly dead space is still rough on pc i don't think dead space was ever as bad as any of these issues, it was more bugginess stuff. Um, but I don't know. This game, I've played, I think, five or six hours of it already. And I love it. I think it's great. I think it's very, very, very good. Um, I ran into some issues. None of it was game-breaking. None of it hurt my gaming experience. I enjoyed... I've enjoyed every minute of playing this game so far. Um, the characters are great. The action is great. The set pieces are great. The story, from what I can gather so far, is really good. It's just, uh, it looks incredible. I'm getting 60 frames most of the time. It definitely stutters. It definitely drops. Uh, when I'm getting 60 frames, I am not getting um, 4K for sure. I might be getting 1440p. I'm definitely getting 1080p sometimes and maybe lower than that in some areas. Um, it's noticeable and there are some visual glitches and bugs and stuff like that. But the the laughs i've had the, the 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 sincere moments i've felt in this game i i think it's extremely good um if you really can't handle an experience not being perfect probably hold off on it maybe wait till game pass or something um if you're desperate for a good game to play and you're willing to grid out some issues and which will probably be fixed in a couple weeks uh, I think it's worth getting. I, I don't regret my purchase. I, I think it was well worth uh, $63 or whatever. So that's my thoughts on Jedi Survivor. Uh, if you play it, let me know what you think. Story number four, Horizon Burning Shores is getting review bombed. Um, this was actually an issue with Jedi Survivor as well on PC, but uh, Horizon Burning Shores um, is the DLC to Forbidden West. Um, the main character is Aloy, and apparently there is a optional relationship track you can go down in that game. And oh my goodness, she might be a lesbian, uh, or bi, or whatever, I don't care. 
and it's getting review bombed. It's getting review bombed hard uh, everywhere that people can do it. And it's just like, I don't, it's so weird. And it seems like like Metacritic and some other places are trying to, to take some measures to prevent review bombing. But like, I don't, I guess my issue is that this requires people to take consumer reviews seriously. Uh, like on websites where you have like, a, like, like Metacritic, we have the combination of all of the critic reviews, and then you also have consumer or user generated scores. And I just could never care less about those because you have this stuff. So like, I get that it's a, it's a good story. I get that. It, it's something that you can do some clickbait about be like, oh, these bigots are ruining these games, but no one cares about the consumer score. Uh, and, and like the, someone brought up a question, I believe it was cage Nephilim who was like, well, Hey, like, are, are these developers bonuses tied to their Metacritic scores? So I reached out to a couple AAA devs I know, and the consensus answer I got was that that practice did used to be common and it has been basically gone for a really long time. I guess now it's way more common to divvy up bonuses based on performance on like sales and things like that. But even when they did do the Metacritic bonuses, it only took into account the critical score, not the users because it's so fickle. It's so silly. I mean, if you use the user scores, you would have games like the last of us two looking terrible, even though the actual game was very good and well-constructed and passionately made. So I, I, you know, this stuff, it's just so silly. We shouldn't still be doing this. Um, it is an interesting thing in my opinion that, uh, you know, you'll, you have all these console wars, which we're actually going to talk about for the weekly topic this week, but you know, you see all this cross attacking, but then you see a situation like this where like, these are PlayStation fans who are review bombing this PlayStation exclusive DLC for a game that Sony obviously takes really seriously. They're making TV shows and VR games. And I assume a third horizon game. And, um, and so when it's in house, it's still dirty, I guess. And, and this is just such a dumb reason to review bomb. There's, there's lots of good reasons to do that kind of stuff, but it's, it's almost kind of like the whole, like, you know, boycotting things is that it just doesn't work you might get a little attention on something but you know people that game that dlc is still going to sell great despite the review bombs so if anything when someone sees scores of seven eight nine out of ten and then sees consumer scoring that got review bombed of like one out of ten well then you know that makes people take that stuff even less seriously thank goodness Story number five, the Asus ROG Ally price reveal. So the Asus ROG Ally is um, kind of setting itself up as the first like, real contender or competition to the Steam Deck. Um, these are handheld gaming devices that aren't streaming, but have actual like very powerful hardware inside the handheld and you can play your PC games on them. Um, in, in the last couple of years, the Steam Deck, which is 
release from Valve, uh, who is of Steam, uh, Game Launcher fame, and Half-Life, and all of that fun stuff. Um, they released, and it, it sold like hotcakes. People are really high on it. Um, but it's features a little lackluster. It, it's a very you know, mediocre set of stats um, in the power department for this system. Then Asus puts out this ROG Ally. ROG is a republic of gamers. It's their gaming brand. Asus makes desktops and monitors and, and everything you can think of, as well as hardware. And the thing about this is that the rumored price is $699 USD. Uh, it has Windows 11 native on it. So Steam Deck uses Linux and you can put Windows on it and stuff if you want. It, it's not ideal. Um, and because it's on Linux, most video games are designed to work on Windows. And while it's becoming more common to do a Linux port, it's not. It's not uncommon for the not to be on every system. So the Steam Deck can play most games but it kind of has to wait for games to get ported or like certified to work on it to really be sure it will work on top of that it's hardware is middling to a point um and the difference between the prices the steam deck goes from 399 to 649 but the only difference is memory size this asus rog ally is 699 i believe that's for the top end version and from what i've seen the if you had to you know straight up compare them power wise the, the rog ally might be you know three to five times more powerful than the steam deck where it won't just be able to kind of play these games it's going to be able to play a lot of modern games at like really respectable settings it's also going to be able to use services like game pass for pc and stuff like that because it's it's a windows machine it, it's it's native to any to you know ea's you know gaming app to ubisoft connect to steam to well maybe steam we'll see how that relationship goes but it's it's um i've seen people kind of poo-pooing on this and being like oh windows is going to be a bad experience i'm sorry i know there's some linux freaks out there but for the average person, Windows is going to be way simpler to use. I know the OS on Steam Deck is pretty pared down and meant to be easy to use. Um, but I have a feeling that Windows 11 is not going to be a big issue with this. And that in a lot of ways, it's going to actually be a step up for this ROG ally. Um, I'm not going to buy one. That's way too much money. I, I'm way more likely to buy a GPU or if they ever do a mid-generation uh, refresh of the Xbox. But because this market is getting hot, to see a to see competition for the, the hotness in Steam Deck is good because it's going to make Valve go harder and be smart with their pricing. And it's probably going to give a good product to a bunch of people. Um, even uh, like Linux um, or Linus uh, tech tips and stuff like that. LTT did a review of it and they were very glowing on this thing and that it's comfortable to hold. It plays extremely well. Like it's, it's just a nice little system. So 
Um, I'm excited to see what happens with this. I think it, it, it's um, only a sign of things to come. When I spoke before about cloud gaming, I think that we may see devices like this actually get more popular than cloud gaming ever will be. Because again, hardware is always better. It just is. And I'll be really curious to see how that plays out in the long run. Okay, story number six. It's our weekly topic and it's speaking on the console wars and if they are forever. Now I'm 35, I'm relatively young in gaming. So I wasn't really conscious during the, uh, you know, Sega does what Nintendo don't. And some of that like gaming toxicity, game community toxicity and console wars and all of that stuff is bad now. But from what I can tell, it was it's not even close to as toxic as it was in like the 80s and 90s when Sega and Nintendo and then Sony and then eventually Xbox and Microsoft were all just bickering about who had the better hardware. I mean, God, if you look at some of the gaming magazine ads in like the 80s, even 90s, I'm sure, you know, racy, sexy, gratuitous, like really like stuff that would probably be you know you sometimes you think of older times as being more conservative but some of the ads that they ran for like sega and even nintendo which was it seems like it was a very different company back in the day um would like you know make you blush nowadays still and so you know we we talk about this the, you know this current you know console war environment and if you are dumb enough like me to spend your time in twitter and youtube and twitch and and all of these places you'll you'll catch like twitter's probably the worst at least that i've seen because it's it's a bunch of people who probably don't even like the product that they shill for they just want to fight with people but like in any given tweet in the replies if it has anything to do with one of the major platforms it's just a shit show underneath it's just a nightmare of people just like yapping at each other and insulting each other and just saying things just that just aren't true about their system of preference and and i think what's one of the funniest things about it to me is that the the vast majority of the conflict happens between microsoft and sony fans xbox and playstation fans and it's funny because you mostly see nintendo get left out of it even though nintendo is just as successful if not significantly more than either of the two other platforms and it's somehow like to me like feels like it's almost regarded differently and maybe it is because they stepped away from the power game you know nintendo is not trying to put out the most powerful console and they stopped with that competition in like the gamecube years the wii the wii u the switch none of those games were meant to go heads up against the playstation or the xbox it was just meant to do its own thing and it's been insanely successful about it and while nintendo fans absolutely have their own level of toxicity and stuff like that you don't see the cross chatter that much with the other platforms. It's mostly PlayStation and Sony uh, and Xbox and Microsoft. You do get the PC gamers in there sometimes. I'd mentioned the PC master race thing. Um, PC gamers, it's, it's kind of interesting because I am one. I have a really nice PC and I have a Series X. Um, they almost like try to delve into the fight between Sony and, and Microsoft fans. Uh, 
but they're almost like like the weird guy on the street getting in the middle of a street fight where everyone's like, Hey, stop it. What are you doing? And whether their stuff is better or not, the, th the thing with, with PC gamers is that there's such a wide variety and quality scale with PC gamers that like, if you're a, if you're a PlayStation fan and you're arguing, you probably have a PS five and you, it's the best system on earth. And you know, same with the, the Xbox. If you have a series X and you, you, you have to wrap Xbox all the time. Well, the problem with PC gamers is that you might be talking to someone who has a $5,000 system or someone who has a system that they paid 500 bucks for seven years ago. You know, you may have someone whose system, a console may never be better than, or you may be chattering with someone who has a, who has a system that is like slower than an Xbox one. And, and so like, I feel like they just never really get brought into the argument that often because kind of like Nintendo, I feel like PC gamers are kind of bickering among themselves uh, of Intel or AMD or Nvidia or AMD, you know, you know, doing that thing. So you have the PlayStation and the Xbox gamers going at it. But what people never really stop to realize is that I bet, and I'm making these numbers up, but I bet 99% of console war, you know, bickering and arguing and stuff happens between 0.5% of the gaming community or even just the communities of Xbox and PlayStation. I bet it is a minuscule percentage of these people. And I even would go so far as to say that, especially the creators who get into this stuff, if you, if you dare, and if you click around at all on Twitter, you'll see that there's these creators who are like moderately large, have a few thousand subs on YouTube, a few thousand followers on Twitter and stuff like that, maybe stream to a hundred people. You, you'll find that these people, both on the PlayStation and the Xbox side, who are just like ride or die for their corporation. And it's like so weird because they just make stuff up. You see these tweets where they'll just like, and, and this is on either side of, of that competition. They'll just, they'll, they'll like severely manipulate, you know, stats to make their thing look good or the other thing look bad. Or, or they'll just like straight make stuff up and spread rumors that just aren't true. And it's always, it's just so interesting to me because like I have an Xbox series X I've had Xboxes. I never owned the first one, but I, I had one in my room in my dorm with my roommate and I've had, I had the PlayStation, PlayStation two, and I had a PlayStation three for a minute, but I have mostly switched over to Xbox. I also have a PC and that, that's always a big thing of like, well, why would you have both? I prefer to play some games on one or the other. Like I prefer Xbox. I love game pass. I like their exclusives whenever they finally put any of them out. The PlayStation, um, if I had 500 bucks laying around, I would buy one, but like they're big sellers. They're, they're, uh, to me, they're the last of us and stuff. There are these like just these masterpiece God of war, just, just these masterpiece games. I've never felt compelled to play. I've been more than happy to watch playthroughs or watch streams and things like that. And it's not because like, I know it would be a great experience to play those games, but they're kind of like playable movies. I'm happy to watch the movie. 
And so I've never felt compelled to go back to that platform. But it's not because I hate it. It's not because I hate PlayStation gamers. Um, it probably does lead to me pointing out more hypocrisy or more bad things about Sony and being more forgiving to Xbox, but never to the point of being like typing on my my phone or my my computer being like, oh, well, actually, you know, like getting like deep into those arguments that just no one ever wins. Um, and it just I'm just curious about how things go in the long run, because right now and for the last generation, even the PS4, Xbox One gen from from a hardware hardware sales perspective, Sony just mops the floor to the point where I've made the argument that after the Xbox One gen, I think Xbox gave up. I don't think they're trying to sell more consoles than Sony anymore. I think it's why they focus so much on Game Pass, especially pushing it on PC, on, you know, doing like the cloud gaming stuff on TVs and the phone and tablets and all of that. I think you have two companies going in two different directions. One that is trying to become a service based company in Microsoft and another that's still really determined to be hardware based in Sony. And it, it, it's, it's gotten to a point this generation, at least in my opinion, where in this is kind of ignoring conveniently you know, how Xbox hasn't put out a ton of first party games and the ones they've put out have been fine, but not amazing where, you know, PlayStation's putting out God of War Ragnarok and Ratchet and Clank and stuff. It's just, it, it's gotten to a point where this console war between these, this, you know, these people is like, it, it's like an apples and oranges thing. They, they, they are competing. They're competitors in the gaming space. But they're competing in different ways and if it isn't already it's eventually going to become hard to even compare the companies because they both have such unique goals that sure if you base all of your opinions off of game of the year nominations or awards and stuff like that sony's gonna do pretty well there as well as other third parties uh, maybe xbox one day but if you base it on what the companies are trying to accomplish internally you kind of can't compare the companies they're they're trying to do such drastically different things now i know these toxic awful human beings will find a reason to argue no matter what is happening or who is quote unquote winning or whatever but it's um where it used to be much more direct i think during the 360 ps3 the xbox one uh, ps4 um times that they seemed like they were trying to like trade blows and stuff like that where the 360 you know seemed to do a little bit better than the ps3 the ps4 just wiped the floor with the xbox one ps5 is from a hardware sales perspective doing it again to the series x and s but i just i, I unfortunately don't think that the toxicity in the console wars will ever go away i just think that they're going to become less and less annoying because they're going to become harder and harder to do. People will figure out a way to be idiots. That's what humans are really good at. But where there used to be like maybe somewhat legit arguments made between, you know, the, the, the two sides, they're just going to become weaker and weaker as these companies are both being successful in different ways and trying to do different stuff. So 
Uh, this is one where I would be really curious to, to hear what you think about it down in the comments uh, of the YouTube video, or you can hit me up on Twitter at Bondiesel or at the EchoCast and let me know what you think about this, about the console wars in general, about how long you think this is going to go on, uh, or if you think I'm just a big dumb dumb face, you can tell me that too. Uh, story number seven, uh, the Division 2 PTS Descent Mode thoughts. I don't think I talked about this last week. I will briefly hit it here. Uh, there was a PTS for a week-ish um, for the Division 2 testing out this Descent Mode. Um, it's fine. I think it'll be interesting. I think it's going to be a lot like Countdown, which was the year four big new mode um, at the power station, where it'll be fun for a week or two, and then most people will stop playing it um, especially because it seems like the rewards and descent are going to be tough i don't care about rewards i haven't significantly changed my builds in a long time and i don't really plan to so i i just i applaud the effort i think and I, i'm sure the descent mode will get more impressive as it gets closer to actually launching it, it is like a combination of all three L three DLCs from the first game, um, Underground, Resistance, and Survival. But I don't think it by itself is compelling as either of those uh, or any of those. And so, you know, I think it's cool. I'm glad they're putting out more content. I will play it, but you probably won't see me no-lifing the Division 2 Descent mode when it comes out in June. Uh, story number eight, uh, Sega of America has unionized. We've seen a bunch of these stories popping up. It's starting small. It's probably only going to get bigger. It's been called on for many, many years at this point. Um, but game devs are finally, in my opinion, getting smart in the United States and coming together. I believe the Sega of America, I want to say that they unionized with the Teamsters, which is one of the biggest unions in the country. Um, that's going to be a significant thing. We've also seen this with studios inside of Xbox, and you've even seen it in the Activision Blizzard King side of things, which was part of that whole acquisition conversation, is that there are smaller groups, I think like a QA team in Activision, that have unionized. And I think it's only going to get more popular. I think you're going to continue to see some of the big publishers pushing back really hard. I think you'll even see indie studios be weird about this because they're just going to struggle to keep up with all of the rules and regulations. Um, but at the end of the day, I think this is a good thing. I'm, I'm hoping that this means that, you know, game devs will get treated better, paid better. And, you know, there's, there's more of them so that we can get games faster and have higher quality because the stuff that we keep getting over the years really just feels like it's being made by people who just have too much. Um, this Jedi survivor, it's an amazing game. It's a, it's a labor of love and it's wonderful, but it kind of seems like it was probably made by people who were working too much or didn't have enough time or didn't have enough support or resources. You know, they'll fix it. It'll get fixed up. It'll be great. But we keep seeing this happen over and over again. And I really think that treatment of their employees of the devs is a big part of the reason this stuff happens. So hopefully they keep unionizing and hopefully they keep, um, forcing their employers to treat them right and um yeah we'll see how it goes i think there's more of this coming uh story number 
see, this should be eight, nine, whatever it is. Uh, Nintendo is going to Gamescom. So after E3 fell apart, um, we don't really know if Nintendo is doing anything with Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest. Uh, we assume that Nintendo will have some kind of direct this summer to tell us what they have going on. But we know they're going to Gamescom, and that's pretty cool. Um, Gamescom, from my memory, kind of rarely has any like huge announcements that like really blows people's minds. Um, but I I do think it, uh, it it could be interesting, especially for Nintendo, with E three not happening, and I think Keeley's conference not being quite the shindig everyone expected. You may see some publishers or devs go to a conference at Gamescom that is huge, but typically isn't known for like big reveals, and maybe they'll do it there. The audience is, is available. They'll have people in person who can play the game and they can do that whole thing. Um, I think this may be a, a, a bigger Gamescom than we've had. Um, I certainly hope the opening night live that Keeley does is more interesting than last year because it was abysmal then because there was nothing interesting. And so maybe Nintendo gives us something interesting the final story this week is just updating on this uh this podcast uh, my youtube channel i've really been pushing hard this year to try to um, get things going especially on youtube um, and trying to kind of refine this podcast um so as for my youtube partnership status this is just kind of a if you're a patreon supporter you subscribe on twitch or you know if you support in any way this is just some transparency um, so in 2023, so far as of April 29th or whatever it is, 28th, um, I have 45,000 views on my YouTube channel. Um, that's as many as some people get on one video in like a, a day, but it's, it's good for me because in 2022, last year from January through December, I only had 51,000 views. So... A, a third of the way through this this year um I'm, i've almost matched my views from last year that's really exciting and it makes me feel like uh the things i'm doing are um, improving uh and, and and making things better uh so far this year in 2023 we have 126 new subs if you are listening to this on youtube and you are not a sub please subscribe to my channel if you are listening to this anywhere else please go to YouTube, search for Bon Diesel, and subscribe. I would very much appreciate it. Uh, but I have 126 new subs this year. I had 147 new ones last year total. So again, we're about a third of the way through the year, and we already are hitting um, almost the same number of new subs, and hopefully that goes way up. Um, obviously, this year in seven day will be a big one for me. I'm literally thinking about taking like a day off uh, just so I can pump out videos and cover it properly because um, I basically wasn't able to last year. So we'll see. Um, and then uh, the status, I need 4,000 viewing hours on YouTube to get partnered with them or um, approved or verified or whatever they call it. Um, I'm currently at 2,800. That's really exciting because a couple months ago, I was barely over 1,000. So we've almost tripled that up. And I, th I hope by the end of the year, we can continue this growth and get that YouTube verification. So if you watch my YouTube videos, if you're watching this podcast on YouTube, thank you so much. If you haven't done that yet, if you're subbed, if you haven't checked out my videos, please do. I'd really appreciate it. 
So that's all the news for this week. Uh, we do have some listener questions. Um, if you have your own question to ask uh, or topic for next week or just a comment in general, um, you can ask in the Discord. The link is in the description. You can ask in the YouTube comments or you can hit me up in DMs or in uh, you can reply to anything the EchoCast related at my Twitter account at Bondiesel or at the EchoCast. This week we have a few questions from Master Prime. Uh, first one is, what game studio would you like to see come back? So, I can't give a good answer on that because I feel like I'm kind of new to paying like really close attention to gaming studios and stuff. Um, you know, if, if Ubisoft Massive shut down tomorrow, that would be my answer, right? Um, so, I, I can't really answer that necessarily. I know that um, like EA shut down a few studios that made games I really liked. Um, and you know, so it would probably be one of them, uh, only because I can't really think of, of any other ones as good examples. But, uh, if anyone's listening, if you have a studio, you wish would come back, uh, please let me know down in the comments or one of the other ways I've talked about contacting me. Um, and then master prime asked about thoughts on visual novels. I'm assuming you mean something like the coffee talk game or like the telltale games. Um, I love those. I, I love that stuff. Even though I didn't really get into coffee talk. Um, I really, really liked, um, the walking dead telltale, uh, games. Um, like I really, really, really liked them. Um, I also enjoyed, um, of course I'm not going to be, uh, as dusk falls, I believe that was in 2022, um, was a very good experience. It was a ton of fun and I really need to go back and play that again. Um, the tell me why games, stuff like that. I need to play those because I enjoy it. So if that's what you meant, then yes, uh, I'm a big fan of visual novels. Uh, the final question here, what country city would you like to see more in games? I would like to see more countries and cities that I've never heard of before. Um, like I'm excited that I believe the next Assassin's Creed game takes place like in Iraq, like ancient Iraq. Um, I assume in Baghdad, but it could be, you know, anywhere else. Um, you know, like the Middle East, uh, that isn't a modern warfare game would be exciting. Um, Africa as an entire continent that basically gets ignored in video games besides like Egypt. Um, you know, South America gets hit up quite a bit, you know, like the two Tomb Raider games and stuff like that. Um, but you know, like Southeast Asia and places like that. I just, um, I, I want to see places I've never heard of before, but are real so that some places, um, that are new, I can learn about them and they can get their moment in the sun. That's what I would like. So, uh, thank you, master prime so much for those questions. Uh, you know, if you are listening and you have your own topics or questions or anything you want me to do, I can do top 10 lists. I can do. Uh, speculation about games that are coming out. I can do whatever. Please let me know. I'm happy to do it. Uh, and that's where we're going to wrap this thing up. Um, I do thank you for listening to this episode, for subscribing to my content. Uh, if you don't, please do. Um, I, I'm always looking to grow this community. I'm always looking to grow the listener or viewer base. Um, if you have any suggestions or thoughts on the podcast itself, please let me know. I'd be happy to hear it and adjust if it seems like it fits what I'm trying to do here. Um, you can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel. Uh, that includes on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and on Twitch. 
Uh, and that's all I have for this one. So until next time.